All right. Well, some of you guys were here last week. We started a new series on uh, anger and anxiety. We're going to do quite a bit of review. As you know, I typically like to go through and take a passage and then we just kind of go through a whole book and go verse by verse. This is a little bit more of a topic. We'll probably spend this week, maybe one more week on anger, probably one more week on anger, and then probably three or four weeks on anxiety. So what I want to do is I want to start out by uh, just kind of doing a little bit of a review and so you guys can help so I don't have to do all the heavy lifting here. What are some things you remember from last week? All right, maniac, monitor, moper, and mole. And those are just some kind of classifications. We'll talk a little bit about that if you're like, what is she talking about? It should make some sense uh, here in a little bit. Good job. Any other things you remember from last week? All right, we're going to do a lot of reviewing, so I won't belabor this right now. Let me ask, any observations or thoughts based from this past week, based on the fact that we've kind of, you know, if you start talking about someone for talking about anger, anxiety, maybe you're kind of realizing it a little bit more, or it's kind of on uh, the front of your mind. Anybody have any experiences this week or thoughts based on our study? Okay, a lot of good things in there. Uh, and I think as in our walk with God, a lot of times we have to realize God wants us to participate, us to be involved, but we also at the same time have to realize and understand we can't do it all. Just we can't bootstrap it tough, you know, toughen up and figure it out ourselves. We have to depend on God and our willingness to go to him. Uh, he works like that in a lot of ways. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that because not dealing with anger 
leads to resentment, right? If you don't deal with your anger properly, quickly, it leads to resentment, which uh, is just another branch of, of anger. And so forgiveness is definitely necessary part of that. So good, thank you. Any others? Hey, uh, Aaron, are we on Zoom? Yeah. All right. Saudi, if you're listening on Zoom, sorry you can't hear what people are saying. Don't get angry. So <laughs> some people on Zoom can't hear what you guys all are saying. So yeah. So they may be dealing with some anger right now. <laughs> Any others? Thoughts? Really quick. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe even give some tools to where you could give kind of point to some truth and that type of thing. Yeah. And we always want to listen first for ourselves, but a lot of times we hear truth from God's word and we can see it's really easy to see in other people's lives. And sometimes that gives us more compassion a lot of times in dealing with them. For me, it was not like you were teaching or telling us anything that we already not known right especially about even though realizing that you can i can be all of those the maniac the moper the moper yeah it all comes up but for me this past week it just allowed me to check myself put it in my head that you know my anger will be destructive or how i approach any situation so for that it was a good thing that it was more of a hey take a check this week because i think you ended it on hey spend the week looking at those things that affect you in those ways mm -hmm. for me it was just like a good thing to have that in the back of my head last week. So mm -hmm. first week I didn't kill anybody. Right, all right. At least uh, mentally, huh? Same here. All right. So we, I could bet that everybody here deals with or has dealt with or will deal with anger and anxiety. It's a common uh, thread. And so we're going to keep talking about this. I'm just going to do a little bit more of a review. Uh, so two things, the, the two words, anger and anxiety, both come from this root word, angst, uh, which is centuries old root word, but which means tight, painful, constricted. And so that word, angry, anxious, and some of these other words, uh, angina, which is the big chest pains when your chest just like locks up and your chest is full of pain, uh, kind of a medical term, angst, uh, anguish, all those have that same root word. And you you can probably relate to this. There's a lot of similar feelings, whether you're angry or anxious, right? Blood pressure up, tense, maybe heart rate up, uh, not calm, not peaceful, probably tight, painful, constricted, even if it's just in your mind or in your heart. Uh, but usually that stuff even happens physically. So that's kind of an idea. We're going to talk a little bit more and go back a, a review, but let me pray one more time and then we'll dive into a little bit more review. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we do have hope because of the resurrection, that we have the ability to live free. Uh, we don't have to live under condemnation. We don't have to live under slavery to sin. We don't have to be slaves of anger or anxiety, but we can live free. Pray that you would show us uh, simple, clear, easy ways to begin experiencing freedom where we might not be experiencing it now. We trust you to do that work in us. We know we can't do it ourselves. So we, we humbly come before you and ask to work in us today. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.
<clears throat> so quick review, just having a definition. It's a strong emotional reaction. Anger itself is a strong emotional reaction. So it's emotional, right? That's mostly when you say you're angry, it's a reaction or a response. And when wrongly, when wrongly wrong anger or sinful anger, it usually leads to plans for or actual acts of revenge or punishment, right? And you might be thinking like, oh, no, I'm not like that. Writing somebody off or building a wall or I'm done with you could be an act of punishment or a way to get revenge. So it doesn't have to be, I'm the person who's out figuring out how to burn their house down, uh, but it may be just that like, I'm done and I'm not gonna forgive them and they can just live in my cold heartedness to them. Um, and rightly handled, it leads to a righteous response to wrongdoing. So usually what cues up our anger is some kind of wrongdoing towards us, or at least a perceived wrongdoing. And so when it's rightly handled, we sense that wrong, and then we can handle it righteously. We'll talk more about that. But we talked last week, anger in and of itself is kind of like the dash light and anxiety. It's like a dash light. You don't get mad when your check engine light comes on at the light. You may be upset about why is this happening, but that light is a good thing because it lets you know something's going on. So when you feel that immediate uh, sense or emotion of anger, that's your dash light. And that's when we, we begin to pause and we'll talk more about that today. Why do I feel this way and how do I handle it? Will be our two questions. Why do I feel like this and how should I handle it? Um, ungodly, unrighteous anger is a sin against God. I want us to catch that. To me, that is one of the most important things because everything rises and falls on our relationship to God. Everything in life. If you're broke and you have a good relationship with God, you're good. Right? If people are wronging you and you have a good relationship with God, you're good. If you're sick and you have deep fellowship with God, you're good. But you take out that connectedness to God and everything begins crumbling. Everything in life rises and falls on our fellowship, our connection. So it's really important for me and according to God's word for us to understand, we want to be able to learn how to take care of anger, not just so we look good in front of people, not so we don't have to deal with angry feelings, not so we're not hurting the people. Those are all good byproducts, but the main reason is because it's a me and God issue. And that's where we want to go first. And so, and it is also harmful to ourselves and others. And I gave a lot more examples and stories last week, but we're just reviewing. So I'll, we might get more into that later. Does someone want to read this verse for me? David. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. We must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Okay, so there is a man, uh, a man's anger, a human's uh, anger, and it is not righteous. There is a righteous anger, but our natural human way of dealing with anger is unrighteous. Someone read these two verses, both of them for me. Go on. Anger, wrath, 
All right. So you can kind of tell from these verses, God doesn't want us to snuggle up and get comfortable with our anger. Two more. Who wants to read these? Cass. All right. And anger is a learned, the way we handle our anger is, is very often learned. So if you've seen someone blow up and they were explosive kind of anger, or that's the people you hung out with, and you see that that gets results, very often that's the way you'll handle those same emotions. And I do want to say the whole idea, you're like, well, that first verse doesn't even say the word angry. Really, anger is an issue of self-control. And when I say self-control, I mean spirit control. So one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control or having the spirit control us. And when we're sinfully acting angry, the spirit is not controlling us. It's our flesh that's controlling us. And so we, we want to learn how to be spirit controlled or self-controlled instead of anger, instead of uh, sinfully reacting out of our anger. Here's a little spoiler alert. Ungodly or unrighteous anger is destructive. We all know that, right? whether it's a bitterness, whether it's a rage, whether it's a road rage, whether it's uh, you're a barroom brawler and you like to fight, whether it's like you're the slow vindictive person, you're going to get them back one way or another, whether it's like you just shut them out and wall them up, uh, wall up, it's destructive. It's destructive to your testimony. It's destructive to your relationship with God. It's destructive to yourself and others. But godly righteous anger is constructive. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. There's that anger, but it's for something good. I gave the example of mad, mothers against drunk drivers, right? Mad, angry, but what they've done is they've taken something that was done wrong or wrongdoing and they've turned it into something constructive. Wrong anger. We have these four characterizations. I can pretty much guarantee you're not just one of these. These are little ways I made up. You're probably a medley of all of them but you probably have one that you respond to more often. And it probably depends on what your situation is. So you have the maniac, you have the moper, you have the monitor, and you have the mole. We'll talk a little bit more about this for a minute. Most of you guys know this. I would categorize it into flamethrower anger or crockpot anger. They're, it's all bad. If you're handling your anger in any of these ways, it's against God. So how many of you know a flamethrower anger person? How, <laughs> how many of you might be that person? Okay. And then others, maybe crockpot anger, like they're just going to sit and stew on it and it's going around. And, and one of the things Diana said, is like that person ends up taking up a lot of space in your mind. And I, I've given this example before. It's like, I could take a tennis ball here and it takes up very little space in this room, right? A tennis ball, hardly any space. But I take that tennis ball and I throw it and it bounces off this wall, bounces off that wall. It just, it just keeps bouncing around. Has it taken up? It's taken up space in the whole room. A lot of times that's what's happening when we're rehashing, rehashing, rehashing. That's crockpot anger. It's pretty much consumed our mind. It's taking up a bunch of space. Maybe it should take up some space, but it becomes all consuming. So none of these are great. Uh, we talked about the maniac, the violent outburst, physical uh, or verbal rage losing control. These people usually feel horrible remorse. Biblical example of that is Cain. He was jealous against his brother and went out and murdered him. Okay. So the maniac, 
murder. And most of you can relate to, you probably pick one of these, depending on the situation and the people you're dealing with, right? Maybe you can get away with yanking your little kid by the arm and saying some mean words, but you're never gonna say that to the guy at the gas station who's 10 times bigger than you, unless you're really into the maniac anger deeply. And then it's like, and I've experienced this before where a switch flips and it doesn't matter what's gonna happen. And you just, all caution is thrown to the wind. It is pure foolishness, right? Anybody else has experienced that in here, right? A couple of you, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, then you have the moper. And this person is not dealing with anger properly either. And what do they do? They worry, they fret, they're filled with self-pity. They're depressed. Remember the prodigal brothers, uh, the prodigal son's brother? It says he was angry and he wouldn't even go in. He's like, here, I've been doing everything for you all this time. And the scripture says he was angry and would not go in. I've been living and you didn't slaughter a fattened cow for me. He's angry though. And some of you, you can relate to this. Uh, Psalm 73 and 37 Psalms 37 talks specifically about being so concerned with all the horrible things that are going on in the world and becoming angry. And it's that fretting anger. And that's crockpot, right? It's just stewing and stewing. This son just stewed on that and stewed on that and he didn't want to go in. Then we have the monitor characterized by what I call low-grade bitterness, rehashing past wrongs, thoughts, something you thought this was taken care of, but it keeps getting brought up brought up, brought up. I think this one happens very often in, in marriage. And it'll be the thing like, I thought we talked about that. I thought you forgave me for that. Why do you keep bringing it back up again? Why do you keep, you have this list. Biblical example is Absalom and Amnon. Absalom had his brother Amnon killed. And the reason he had Amnon killed was Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Now, that's a right reason for Absalom to be angry. His sister was raped. But he kept an account. It said for two years, he did nothing. He just sat on it for two years, two years, two years, two years. That's crockpotting it, right? For two years, he crockpot it, then hatched a plan to have his brother murdered. Uh, Colossians 3.19 talks about husbands, love your wives. Do not be embittered towards them. So you can have the monitor and it's just like keeping account, keeping account, keeping account, keeping account. You maybe never fly off the handle, but your heart's going harder and harder and colder and colder. Can you relate to some of these? Good. Not good, but good that I'm not alone. The bowl characterized, and this is, I got this idea from the whack-a-mole. I pictured, you ever seen the, the carnivals, the little mole that pops up, you try and hit it here and it pops up here and it's like here, then it's here, then it's here. Well, this person's characterized by uh, denial, leaking, lying, hurting uh, substitutes and or manipulation. And so this person will be like, why are you angry? I'm not angry. Well, you seem angry. I'm not, I'm really not angry. Okay, well, you've been awful quiet. You haven't talked to me for two days ever since I, you know, did, did, did such and I'm not. And then all of a sudden you see they're reacting angry towards something else. All of a sudden they clear the stuff off their desk. I can't get anything done, right? And it's like maybe even angry at them, acting out of anger towards themselves. Uh, 
I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid. But it's just this thing, it's like popping up here, popping up there. Biblical example of that is the Pharisees and the mole typically wants to look good. Like, I don't want to show people that I'm angry. I don't want to admit I'm angry. I can't get angry here. I can't get angry at my boss at work. My boss is being a jerk. I should probably confront him or talk to him. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to come home and I'm going to be a real jerk to Carly and to Evie. And to Evie, it's like, I've told you 10 times to clean up your room. Why isn't your room clean? Get out here. Right? And all of a sudden I'm angry. And she's like, I, had, I was doing my homework. I don't even have a conversation with her. That one didn't happen, but stuff like that happens. You know how that goes. So uh, <clears throat> that, I think, Evolve, is that the one Right, right. So this is the person, and maybe it's something simple. Uh, you have a, a job interview, you're trying to get to your, your job interview. Um, the road shut down, you're starting to get stressed out, you make it on time, you get through the job interview, do okay, uh, then you're, you're leaving there, and then or some, a couple other things happen, and then pretty soon you're on the side of the road, uh, kicking the side of your door in, freaking out because you got a flat tire. It's like, you got a flat tire. Like, that is a bummer, but all this pent up stuff. These are the people that go postal, and the people are like, he was the nicest guy. <laughs> He always came out and said hi. And all of a sudden he's went whack-a-mole. The anger's there. Okay, I can see why. The, I like the, the idea of a mole standing up landmines. <laughs> all right, so reasons or roots for wrong anger. So hopefully you can relate to some of this. Fear, it's an angry response to real or perceived lack of control. Again, I'm taking a lot of time on the review here, and probably too much. Uh, but hopefully it's just solidifying some of these things. I, I've explained to you different times, like let's say even say my daughter almost gets hit in a parking lot. My response a lot of times is to be like, what's wrong? I've told you you need to look at, and I'm acting angry, but it's a fear. I, uh, I can't control the situation and I'm afraid, but my response is anger. Hurt, you can relate to that. You, you, you get angry. And even if it's not a real wrong, but it's a perceived wrong, you think you're being hurt. Uh, frustration, you have this expectation, you're thinking, I'm going to come home, and we're going to have dinner, we're going to have family night, we're going to watch a movie, and then tomorrow, I don't have to get up early, and someone calls you and says, like, hey, I need some help, can you help me uh, move tonight, and tomorrow I'm getting kicked out of my apartment. All of a sudden, I'm angry. I had this expectation, it's not met. Insecurity, angry response to real or perceived attack on one's image or reputation a lot this if you get angry at yourself it's probably this it's probably a fact that uh the fact that you are feeling like your image your reputation or the standard that you've put for yourself is not being met and so you put some standard for yourself and so you're so angry at yourself and then we would need to ask where did that standard come from is that a godly standard uh who are you trying to impress or whatever that would be bottom line sinful anger is the response because things are not going my way that's kind of boiling it all down right that's why we get angry who here gets angry when everything's going their way nobody you get angry when things aren't going 
your way. So right anger, it's against sin and it brings about righteousness. So check this out. Here's Christ. And here you're going to see sinful anger and righteous anger all in the same passage. He, Jesus, entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they, the, these Pharisees or these Herodians, these uh, leaders, so they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. They're kind of waiting. Ah, let's see, but he does. And he said to the man who had a withered hand, step forward. And then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. So he's like, hey, come on, stand up here. Guy with the withered hand, come over here. Hey, and then he talks, so is this right or wrong for me to do something good here? And what it says, but they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, this is Christ, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. So do you see here, Christ got angry at the way that they were behaving and what they were doing. And what did he do? He did something righteous. He did something constructive. He didn't get angry and, uh, you know, slap them around or call down a, a group of angels to attack them. But then here's how, here's unrighteous anger. The Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Destruction, their anger, angry, they want to destroy. So here you see the anger, a godly anger, that's going to bring about something righteous and ungodly anger that's going to bring about something destructive. Make sense? Another uh, picture of Christ's anger. He went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He sees some unrighteous thing going on, and he goes in and straightens it out. And it was a result of him seeing something sinful and taking care of it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. We usually, when we get angry, want to repay. We want revenge. We want to straighten it all out. God's wrath, God's anger, God's wrath is kind of the execution or the uh, him enacting on the anger that he would have. Now, in many ways, we can say God's Wrath and anger has completely been appeased. And that is, there is a truth to that. But he still judges wrongdoing. And he still deals with sin in a righteous way. He does not say, I died so everybody can just get away with it. Uh, so what we can do is we can begin to go, I don't have to execute or and act out on my wrath towards these people. God hates sin and hates when people do sinful things, I'm going to let him take care of it. Does that make sense? That's hard to do in the heat of the moment, though, right? It's not just me. Right. Righteous anger is controlled and constructive. It's controlled and constructive. The anger of God is controlled and constructive. Here's a, a verse we'll talk more about. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Here you, there's anger, but it's under control. That you don't have to sin when you feel those feelings of anger. You have a choice. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as John was talking about, we have a choice. 
We are not doomed to have to sin when we have these anger feelings come up. We have hope because of our Savior. We don't have to live doomed. We can be angry and not sin. It's controlled. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. And so again, we can have self-control. We can live controlled under spirit control. We don't have to live under the control of our anger. Who here has let anger control them before? Yeah, yeah who hasn't? Raise your hand so we can <laughs> tell you how self-righteous you are. No, no. Yeah, so uh, we can have self-control. And it's also constructive. For observe this very thing. So Paul's right in the context of this. Paul wrote to the Colosh, or uh, the Corinthians, and he basically called them out on a bunch of sin. And they were made sorry. They were sorrowful because of this. It was like, oh, no. But he said, that's a good sorrow. The world's sorrow leads to death, but a good sorrow leads to repentance. And so this is the next verse after that. He says, I'm glad you were made sorry because it caused you to repent. And here's what it effect it had. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. These are kind of angry words, right? What indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all these things, you proved yourself to be clear in this manner. And so what he's saying here is that something constructive, what ends up happening is you're sorry for what you've done wrong and you almost get so angry at that sin in your own life that you're going, I'm not going to live under this anymore. I do not have to live under this sin. And it's an anger, but it's towards that sin or towards your tendency towards that sin or towards the ways of your flesh. It's a constructive anger. That's a good anger. When you're like, I'm so done with this habit. I can't, I can't kick it. I'm done. I'm going to get help. That's a good anger. You've just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's constructive. Here's also Paul. While he waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked. He became angry when he saw the city was go, given over to idols. You know what he did? He went and talked to him. He said, I see this. You have idols to the unknown God. Now he talks to him about all these different things. And he says, I want to give you guys the gospel. And it said that some believed and some did not believe. But the result of his anger towards that situation, seeing what was going on in that society, was to go preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So can you begin to see in life, we, be, we start looking at these things that maybe are a real good reason for us to be angry about. But sometimes we don't handle that properly, right? We'll talk a little bit more about this. Learning to handle God's uh, anger God's way. I'm just going to take a few more minutes. and We'll go down. I want to give you, I'll say four principles or maybe three principles. Hear this verse again. So if you're like, so what do I do? Okay, glad we're talking about angry. Yeah, I know I'm of this kind of angry. I don't know what to do. Here's some practical things you could do to deal with anger. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. One, deal with it correctly. So when we're angry, we have a choice. We do not have to what? Sin, right? We don't have to sin. So one, be angry and do not sin. Where do you start? I'm going to deal with this anger correctly. And next, deal with it quickly. When anger is not dealt with quickly, it becomes what? Resentment, bitterness, deep-seated. 
rooted. Bitterness has roots that grow and, and it becomes worse. So we want to deal with it quickly. Now, let me say this about this verse. If you and your spouse are having a, a, an argument, and this has probably happened in more than one household here, you're, or you're having a disagreement or trying to work out this conflict and you're like, I'm angry, and you guys got to, both got to get up in the morning and you're like, the Bible says not to let the sun go down on their anger. And so it's like, you're going to just four o'clock in the morning, you're still gutting it out and you're going to argue back and forth and no one's letting go of their anger in any way, shape or form. And then you're going to, okay, well, we didn't get it solved. Uh, you know, time to make the coffee. Let's go to work. We'll talk about this when we get home. That's not necessarily what this means. Don't let the sun go down your anger. It could mean something that would look very practically like this. I don't feel like this is resolved, honey. I, we, we need to talk more about it. We're obviously both tired. Let's pray, ask God to work on us individually and let this uh, be something that we think about. We'll come back tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow after work, we'll, we'll get together and we can't let this go. But right now I'm choosing to let this go for the evening. I'm not going to hold on towards bitterness towards you. I'm just going to, I'm going to trust that we will get this worked out. Do you see kind of the picture there? I don't know if you've ever been in one of those knockdown dragouts where, and it's happened for us before where it's like, we're going to get this solved tonight. And it doesn't get solved tonight. You're actually like pouring fuel on a fire. Uh, so I'm not saying you just go like, I can't deal with this tonight. But you go handle it a godly way. You're dealing with it quickly and you're saying, we're going to come back at this. I'm choosing to let this go and put this on a burner. We're going to make an appointment for tomorrow afternoon. We're going to talk and we're going to get this figured out. So I'm kind of dealing with it quickly in that sense, but it may not be every part of the issue got resolved. Does that make sense? You guys can relate to that, right? It's not just me. It's Carly's fault. She's not in here, but it's her fault. Just kidding. It's obviously not her fault. You guys know me. <laughs> Another couple of principles. Consider the reason. Why are you angry? So this would be like a very, you have that flash of, <clears throat> and you can learn how to do this. Begin to go, why am I angry? Is it because of something selfish or something sinful? And you begin to look at this, like what is the reason for my anger? And um, you can usually begin to see, I wrote down a few things. Uh, So a lot of it is if we feel like our rights are being violated, right? Is that why you kind of get angry? And in traffic, let's give an example. I have the right to drive in every lane and any lane that I want at whatever speed I want and with nobody to get in my way. Is that a right promise to you in scripture? No. So you can begin to go, why am I angry about this idiot that doesn't seem to know you're supposed to move into the right-hand lane if you're going... Well, because I'm thinking that he's violating my right to have the freeways run my way. Huh? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, let the grace override that, that law. Yeah. So think about this. Think about some of uh, this. I expect to, or I have the right to have fun. Is that promised in scripture? Do you get angry when someone crashes your fun? I have the right to be respected. Is that given in scripture? Does it say everyone's going to respect you? 
you have that right? Does God, did Jesus Christ get that? Did everybody respect Jesus Christ? No, it's not promised to you in scripture. I have the right to good health. Is that a promise to you? There's kids that are born with leukemia, kids that are born without limbs. What happened to their rights? Is that a right guarantee in scripture? No. I have the right to be understood. Is that a right given to you in scripture? Does, if you can show me a Bible verse that says, you have the right for people to understand what you're thinking and feeling. It seems like it should be a right, right? Am I right? Like, well, doesn't, shouldn't everybody be understood? Well, yeah, in a perfect world, but that doesn't, you can, you can begin to see where this creeps in and we're angry because maybe for a reason that we need to kind of sort through a little bit. And I'm not saying you throw it out and you just, who cares if people respect me? I'm not saying that. You know me, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying it's right for people to disrespect you. I'm saying beginning to deal with anger properly begins with kind of being able to release some of your rights that might not really be your rights. Uh, I have the right to have the job I want. I have the right uh, to have all the possessions that I desire. I have a right to be treated fairly. Sounds like you do have a right to that, right? But not according to scripture. Scripture doesn't say you are to be treated fairly. If you look at that and then you look at the whole New Testament and these, script, these Christians that are not treated fairly, then God's failing them. They didn't get their rights. But it feels like I have a right to be treated fairly. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because does that mean you stay in this horrible relationship where people are treating you fairly? Probably not. Or people are treating you unfairly. You probably don't stay in that relationship, but you don't have to live in anger and bitterness. You can begin to forgive and maybe put some space. Um, I have the right to be accepted by others. Uh, I have the right to have my spy, spouse and children adore me. I have the right to feel safe and secure at all times. I have the right to be obeyed and listened to. I have the right to have people meet my emotional needs. I have the right to live how I want, where I want. How, bah, 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 bah. Can you begin to see why we deal with anger? We kind of have some right issues, don't we, that we need to begin. So one is begin to kind of just sort out. And again, I'm not saying this is a simple, easy thing. And if you want to be respected at work, you're wrong. But it's helpful to begin to go, why am I angry? Well, I don't feel like my, my team is listening to me. Okay. The next thing then is, so how should I respond to that? Do I have a right for them to? Why would I expect them to? And maybe your response would be, I need to go talk to some of those people. Is there something I'm doing that's making you not want to listen to me versus writing them off? Or so you consider the reason and consider your response. How are you handling it? And note, we can be angry for a righteous reason, but handle it sinfully, right? I see a lot of stuff that's going on in society and our culture, and it makes me angry. A lot of the ways I've thought of handling it are very, very hugely sinful. Absalom and Abnon, he was right for being angry that his sister got raped. Did he handle it correctly by having his brother murdered? No. So you may have a righteous reason to be angry and you're like, well, this person's lying to me. They've continued to lie to me. My, sp my spouse has been hiding these things from me. Do you have a right to be angry? Yes. How are you going to handle that anger? Are you going to handle it biblically? 
So you begin to see we have the opportunity to walk in freedom. We don't have to live as slaves of sin. Consider the reason I gave, we already talked about some of this. The response, just a couple. One of the biggest things I think we as Christians have to get over is the, re, the feeling of like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't forgive so-and-so. I can't. Well, that's not true according to God's word. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can. I can't handle that disrespect in any other way. Well, yes, you can. Because you have the Spirit of God in you. So the power of God makes it possible for us to control the expressions of our anger. We can handle it righteously. And you want an example of this? Think about the times you've been in a heated discussion with a spouse or with somebody else and the phone rings. You're like, oh, hi, hey, hi, yeah, what's up? How's it going? Uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, I know, me too, me too. All right, well, hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing something right now. Can I give you a call back? Mm-hmm, okay, cool, thanks. Yeah, you too. And what I was back back at it, right? So we can handle it, especially if it's to save face. We can handle ourselves just fine. Here's some verses, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Man, how often do you feel like, I just need to vent? Well, is that what God is calling you to do? And probably need to define what you mean by vent. If maybe you need to talk to somebody to get some godly advice on how to your handle your anger that might be right but if you just want to puke about how horrible all these people are that you have to deal with and how horrible your boss is and your wife and the kids and society that's probably not godly a fool vents all his feelings but a wise man holds them back again that doesn't mean you don't talk to people it just means that's not the answer to handling anger properly proverbs 16 32 he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Again, we talked about self-control. We can have control over our spirit or self-control. I would like to better say spirit control. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife. This is one that comes to my mind all the time because I'm horrible about this. The beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. I don't know how many times I've messed this one up because I feel like before I've dealt with my anger, I just have to say these two things. I just have to, let me, okay, I understand, but let me just say two things. And then an hour and a half later, after I vented my spleen and said all kinds of stupid stuff that I shouldn't have said, this verse comes to mind going, the beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. It's kind of like, yeah, if you've ever seen any of those pools, above ground pools, they get a hope and then it's like, it just kind of like, gets a split in it about like this and the person is like whoosh that's what happens here you're just like i just got to get out i'm not saying you don't need to get those words out but don't do it like that handle your response in a godly way make sure you've kind of dealt with and then i need to godly in a godly loving forgive this person confront this person talk to whatever that is does that make sense all right so let's wrap up with this First, we must see and acknowledge that the roots of our ungodly anger, ungodly anger, as well as how it's handled, is a sin against God. That's the big thing. It's not just it's wrecking my life. It's making me miserable. It's making people. Those are all huge things. The huger thing is that it's hindering your walk with God. It's something that's affecting your walk with God. Uh, but also, we need to realize that Christ died on the cross and rose again. 
to provide us with forgiveness for anger. So if you've expressed, or even this week, got mad at your kid and said things that you just regret and you wish, there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ for the wrong ways we've handled anger. And not only that, he gives us the ability to be able to walk free from sinful anger. He provides us with everything we need to handle our anger in a righteous way. So the, this is a good news message. We talk about anger. You may be able to relate. You may be kicking yourself. You may be getting angry at me. I don't know what's going on. But the reality is it's good news because Jesus Christ gives us the opportunity to walk free from crippling sin, such as anger. All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son. We thank you that we do have hope because of him. We thank you that we can live in freedom. I pray that you would, uh, I feel like your conviction is always so loving and kind. Um, convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Strengthen us. Pray that you'd bring to mind these uh, things and passages as it applies to us this week, that we would be able to remember your word, hide it deep in our heart, put our trust in you, and uh, walk in faith. We love you, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.